Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Boston Balling. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut. Hockey is a very, very exciting sport to be watching right now. There's a lot of good teams in the NHL playoffs right now, and it's just it's going to be a really tight race to the end, I think. There's just a lot of talent still remaining, and I think there's just a lot to look forward to. And me being a Bruins fan, I think there's optimism, but also some room for uh, – Concern a little bit. We're going to touch on all of that on the show tonight, but I am pleased to announce my guest for this evening. He's a good friend of mine. We enjoy going back and forth about sports and he hosts his own podcast called the Sports Dudes Podcast, which I actually have been a guest on a couple times as well. And it was a lot of fun. And these guys are really good at what they do and really good at covering sports. So I'm, I'm pleased to have him here with me this evening. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Gabby. Thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And, man, hockey's just been a fantastic sport. A lot of great teams. I mean, Colorado looks like world stoppers. Tampa looks like a team that's going to probably repeat, man. Carolina has been a big disappointment. And now we got our we got our series. You being a Boston Bruins fan, me being a New York Islander fan, man. It's, yep. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is, this is exactly why I uh, was excited to have you on because just being able to get that perspective from somebody who's a fan of the team that we're facing right now. And I think you could agree. We, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air before, before we started the show that these are two pretty evenly matched teams that we're seeing here. And I think that between the fan bases, there's a lot of respect between each other and I think both fan bases knew going into this series that this could very well be a super competitive series that we see going six or seven games. And now we're entering game three and it's a split series. And the Islanders took game two on the road in a very, very intense game that ended in overtime. And I was on the edge of my seat the whole time for that game. And there's a lot that goes into this series. And I think that this really, I could see this going either way, to be honest with you, for the rest of the series. I think that we could see a lot of challenges on both sides and just a lot of excitement for the rest of this series. I don't think that either either team is going to win this series handily because we've seen, even during the regular season, that I think these two teams are both very competitive. You're talking about two teams in the Islands and Bruins. They're both very evenly matched, very good coaching. Barry Trotz on the Islanders, um, Cassidy yeah. for the Bruins, very good evenly matched teams. Bruins with that top line of Pablo Bergeron, Marshawn, and Pasenak. That's it, it, one of the best first lines in the NHL. You cannot argue that. Maybe Tampa's first line is probably better, but that line is consistent. Pasenak got a hat trick in game one against the Islanders, and then Game two, the Islanders had a 3-1 lead. Of course, you knew Boston was going to be resilient and have a comeback because, you know, Boston is also a very resilient team. But Lazard, costly turnover, you know, allowing Casey Zekas make a breakaway to score and the Islanders eating up the series. They were very fortunate. I thought, I personally thought as an Islander fan, I, I, I mean, I give credit for the Islanders winning. I did think Boston kind of missed the boat to take a stranglehold, take a 2-0 lead and putting pressure yeah. on the Islanders. And now the pressure is reverted back to Boston because just like the Islanders took advantage because the TD Garden was rocking. That, 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 oh, what? The Garden was rocking up in Boston. Those and fans were electric. The Coliseum. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, those fans were crazy. Now, your guys are going to have to go into the Coliseum. You got to win at least one of those two games because if, if you drop both games, you're talking about 3-1 hole, which I, I can't mm-hmm. see Boston dropping both games. I think I, I have respect for the Boston Bruins. I know, like, it's quietly, slowly turning into a very good rivalry. You talk about two evenly matched teams. Both fan bases have a lot of mutual respect. I don't see – I don't see any – animosity especially on the islander fan base there's no it's just a mutual level of respect between the bruins and islanders two evenly matched teams you're talking about teams that they played even though the islanders won the season series five to three boston has been played playing Islanders tough games those games have come down to at least a goal or two here and there so i think it's going to be a very interesting series because go six or seven i personally had the islanders in seven i'm, I'm pretty sure you probably had the bruins in six it's it's uh it, it's just two evenly matched teams. Like no one would be surprised if the Islanders won the series or the Bruins won the series. Those are two evenly matched teams, and and whoever wins this series would earn that. I completely agree with you, and you're actually spot on. I'm not sure exactly how you guessed my prediction for this series, but I did in fact before the series started have Bruins in six, and that's a very optimistic Gabby picking that. Um, but I do think that. I would not be at all surprised if it goes seven games, I will say. I think that it has the potential to go seven because, like you said, it's two evenly matched teams. And I think you touched on some of the things that I was going to bring up, too, in that the Bruins' front line is very, very good. And, you know, there's some experience there. There's some players on that front line that you know you can rely on that are going to score some goals. That second line, I think, needs to step up a little bit more we did see the Bruins struggle against the Islanders during the regular season until the trade deadline. But when they acquired Taylor Hall at the trade deadline, they started playing better hockey in general, and they started winning some of those games against the Islanders. So I do think that he makes a difference to this team in a big way. And I'm so happy because they got him. They did not give up much at all for him. So I think that that's really awesome that they did get him because he's the type of guy that we can look at and be like, yeah, this could be the guy that really helps us reach the top this year. You know, because I think the Bruins, I've talked about this a lot with people. The Bruins now are at the point where that championship window is closing for a lot of those veteran players. So, you know, you have the players like Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and players like that, that you don't know, they're probably not going to be here much longer. So that win now mentality, I think, is very much there. And yeah, there's a lot of young talent on this team and trying to see how they would mesh with the veteran players to start the season was a big thing for them. But I think that it's just the type of situation where now they do have to win or else they're going to lose some of those veteran players and then they're back in rebuilding mode. So I think that that's the key for us. But the Islanders definitely have the defensive advantage. They play fantastic defense. They have good goaltending. And that's what's making made them so hard to beat for a lot of teams this year. You look at the playoffs. It's always about good goalie and good defense. Defense travels. <laughs> defense yeah. travels. Look, at the Islanders made to the conference finals last year, not because they were the best team, it's because they played good defense. So yeah. I think the defense will ultimately prevail them. But unfortunately, the Islanders' problem is they don't have goal scorers. They don't have a lot of guys that can put the, put the puck in the net. And that's been the Islanders' biggest problem all season long. They averaged one of the fewest goal, 
goals per game in the NHL, but they give but they give up the fewest goals in the game. So you see a lot of two one, three two kind of games. You don't see a lot of seven six games with the Islanders. They don't have a lot of offensive talent on this team. But for but interesting for Boston, I mean, this is it for you guys. I mean, at yeah, some point, look at Pittsburgh. At <laughs> some point, you like the Bruins, the Penguins, and the Capitals are all in going to be in that limbo where. You're not good enough to win. A lot of your core players are older. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of your old players are older. They're at some point they're, they're not they're not going to put up the production that you're used to seeing. I love the trade for Taylor Hall. <clears throat> I thought that was a fantastic trade. Yeah. But if you don't win, that's a problem because look. Either or, whoever wins this series, it's likely going to be Tampa, and Tampa is looking like again they're probably they scare me. up again. They're, they scare <laughs> yeah. a lot of teams. That's why I'm hoping Carolina pulls yeah. wins. I know, me too. I'd love, I'd much rather face Carolina than face them because I think that would be a much easier. I'm sure you can agree that would be a well. Not, I don't want to say easier because they're a good team, but I think that. I would give the Bruins a better chance of winning that series if they played Carolina as opposed to if they played Tampa next round. I'd say I'm the same with the Islanders. If, yeah. if, if you if you were to ask an Islander fan to heart, it, it, assuming we advance past the Bruins, because that's also no easy task. I'm I, I'm the Bruins are, are or I I believe the Bruins are going to win one of those two games at the Coliseum. As much as I, I'm an optimistic Islanders fan, I'm also realistic. I know the Bruins are very good, and I don't think that. And I, and I know that they're thinking if they go down three-one, it's going to be very hard to win three straight against a, a team that is defensively structured in their system. But if you ask an Islander fan, who would you rather face, Tampa Bay or Carolina's? Like I would rather play Carolina because the Islanders yeah. played Tampa Bay last year, and. Mm, didn't work out well for them. I know, but, yeah, um, we all saw that. But I'm, but, but, but for the key for the Bruins to win this, to win Game Three tonight, again, you gotta take the crowd out of it. The crowd's gonna come in there. They're gonna be electric. They're gonna be screaming. You gotta take the first way. You gotta take the crowd out of it. The crowd has. You gotta neutralize the crowd. You gotta score early, score fast, and you gotta and you gotta keep that lead. Because the Islanders are going to be pushing. Yeah, they're going to take yeah. advantage of the of the fans. They're going to fuel them. They're going to fuel them on. So they're so that's the key. The second thing is Tukarask. As that's another key because in game two he was he was gingerly and and he didn't look he didn't look that sharp and you know at times in that game. So he has to play big, assuming that he's healthy enough to go. And if he's not healthy during the series, and you have to rely on Halak. That means your first and second lines are going to have to be very consistent so the Islanders don't have a chance to score. And your defense has to step up. So Boston's defense has to step up against the Islanders. Your goaltending, Tukaras, has to be on point. Your first line got to continue doing well, but you also need some secondary scoring. So Taylor Hall and Krejci, they're going to have to step up for you guys to win cover this series. Because if you guys um, continue along your first line, then the Islanders at home, they'll be able to match up defensive parents and neutralize your first line because they realize that the first two games, your, your first line <laughs> has scored pretty much majority of your goals. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. first line has scored majority of your I goals. I mean, Pasternak especially. I mean, we touched on it already with the hat trick in, in game one, and you cannot rely on just that front line to do everything. You can't. Yeah, because yeah, at some point, Alan is going to be like, ah, oh, you know what? If they're doing the work and no one else is doing the work, then you know what? Fine. We're just going to play defense on the first line. We're going to put our best defenders against your first line and neutralize them and make your other lines beat us. And so far, your other lines have not proven they can beat the Islanders. Yeah, they haven't. And that's the problem. And I think 
one of the biggest things that I wanted to bring up, which you already did touch on, was Tuka Rask. Because, I mean, a lot of us know as Bruins fans that he does have a history in the postseason of underperforming and kind of choking in big moments, too. And I think that there's a lot of eyes on him in this series. And, you know, the other day, news came out that he might not be fully healthy the rest of the playoffs. And he is playing tonight, or supposed to, but who knows what's going to happen with him the rest of the series. And obviously Tuca is our number one goalie and I would like to see him playing. I know Jeremy Swayman was, was somebody that they were saying would possibly be that guy. If he's not playing um, that he would be the guy that we'd have to rely on to play goalie, which worries me because, you know, he's young and the experience level is just not there as much as, Tuka and I think that with Tuka Rask, if he's injured for the rest of the playoffs and we don't have him to rely on, then this could be a serious, serious problem because we've already seen this team struggle against the Islanders as it is. And I really think that game two was it made such a difference in how the rest of the series is gonna go. Because if they if that result had been different and in overtime if things were reversed and the Bruins had pulled that out in overtime at least you can go on the road knowing you have a two-game lead so you have that breathing room where if you do lose a game on the road you're still fine you know what I mean but now it's like you have that pressure of you no longer have that home court advantage anymore so now it's become crucial to just win a game on the road and that's a little bit scary to me because I think the Islanders did exactly what they had to do. They didn't back down in game two and they kept responding to everything that the Bruins were doing. And I think that that's something that they've been really good at. And that's something that's kept them in a lot of games. And granted in game one, that game, I mean, the, the Bruins, <laughs> Pasternak just had a great game and, and he just kept going off. But it was, it was only 2-2 two, two going into the third period. I know, and that's the thing. That. <laughs> and they scored three goals to win that game in that period. And I think that there's they do have games like that. I've seen games this year like that for the Bruins, where they do they do have games like that where they just score a lot of goals, but it doesn't happen all the time. And I think that from an offensive perspective, the Bruins have the advantage for the rest of this series from that perspective. But if you look at the defense, they absolutely do not have the advantage there because the Islanders defense is really what's gotten them to the point that they're at. And I think that if you have a defense like that, you need to have more people that are contributing on offense. And I mean, I love Taylor Hall. Obviously I loved when they traded for him and, and he did score a goal in game one, but overall, from what we've seen from him when he got here, he has been relatively quiet in this postseason so far overall, I think. And that's something that needs to change. And there's other players that need to step up and contribute in order to win because soon enough, the Islanders, and then if they do advance past the series, other teams are going to start to lock in on that front line. And then where do you go from there if you don't have any other scorers to help contribute? Even if you guys get past the Islanders, the fact that your 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 first line is what is if you're if you only have one line carrying you 
in hockey. That's not a recipe for success. The Islanders have a balanced line, so they can roll out four lines whenever they can. They always start their fourth line, which is they call their identity line. It's always Matt Martin, Clutterbuck, and Casey Zekas. It's always that because they always set the tone. And especially tonight, the Islanders are going to look to set the tone. And for the Islanders, you got to set the tone early. You got to and you got to make sure that you know boss is going to be pushing because they know that the pressure's on them because we don't know how long two grass is going to last in this play. And you have to go with Swayman. Swayman, mm-mm. Swayman is um, Swayman is not the type of person that if I if I'm Boston, I would go in there and feeling very confident, and you're throwing that poor kid playoff into game, the a high pressure like, playoff game. Like, listen, give credit for the Islanders' goaltender um, Sorokin. Sorokin played really well against Pittsburgh, but you know, even and especially in Game Six, they played really, really well. But I mean, the Islanders have such a balanced line. They are balanced from top to bottom. Even even though Barzell is not really scoring, I mean, Beauvillier has gotten points in six straight games. You're seeing the fourth line scoring. You're seeing Colin Palmieri, a trade acquisition, used to play for the Devils under Lou Lamorello, contributing. Zajac filling in for Alva Wallstrom, who's who's injured. There's a chance he could return in this series. So you're seeing production from every from most from every single line from the Islanders. You're seeing quality production in the playoffs with well, the Bruins you're you're probably you're, you're seeing one I mean yeah Taylor Hall scored a goal yeah big yeah fine a goal but in this series he hasn't really looked he hasn't really looked like he's a factor like you're you're seeing you're seeing the reason why Boston's in that position because their first line is just so deadly and so lethal that they're able to do that so that's another problem. So I say for the Islanders, they're going to take advantage of the crowd, and for the Bruins, you're going to have to neutralize it. So this is going to be a long series. I I, I don't I don't see the Islanders winning three straight against Boston. I definitely don't see Boston winning three straight against the Islanders. It's going to be a long yeah. series. It's going to come down yeah. to for the Bruins. It's going to come down to mostly your defense and primarily who's in net. And if you're going to put Jeremy Swain in the net. In the postseason against a team that that has played well against you, I don't like your chances. And even if you get by him, you're gonna put him against Tampa. Come on, man. You, there, there is no, like, there is not even the most optimistic Bruins fan can tell me that they feel confident with Swayman in instead of no, Tukaras. And, and 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 yeah. and, and Tukaras. Speaking of Tukaras, it's funny you mention him. He won a Stanley Cup, but he was a backup goaltender to Tim Thomas. When yep. Tukaras took over starting reigns, you lost the Stanley Cup in 2013 to Chicago. You lost the Stanley Cup against against St. Louis, who, by the way, was in last place, mind you, in January of 2019. Yeah, they Tukaras, had no business being there. They had no yeah, business I mean, being there. That, I mean, the Chicago one, I mean, they won the Stanley Cup prior a couple years, though, so I, I, I can excuse that. The St. Louis one, I don't excuse. I mean, come on, uh, come yeah. on. Like, like yeah. you, you, you guys were better. You had the home ice advantage. It was like you know, once Tampa was out, I mean, the East was 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 smooth sailing after that. I mean, come on, man, come on, man. You 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 cannot tell me that like you know, Tukaras has has choked in big moments. And I'm sorry, and I'm no Boston fans been haunting him, but I mean, he stepped away from the bubble, take care of family issues, and a lot of Bruins fans were very hard on him and you know um, i know boston is very very like new york boston is very hard on their athletes but you know it's a big market and i get that but if two grass is not in net i mean you are you going to rely on scoring five goals could rest of the way in the postseason because you know in the postseason your defense is going to have to step up so 
that's something you got to worry about. And Varlamov and Sorokin are two capable goaltenders. We have two capable goaltenders. If one struggles, we just go to the other one. You know, so we yeah. you know the Islanders are fine in net. Their defensive structure is fine. So it's I'm just saying it's still going to be a long series. I still think Boston's going to take you know one of the two games up in um up on the island. But I'll tell you this, though, if you don't figure out your goaltending situation and figure out another line to contribute other than your first line, you could be going out quickly if you don't figure it out. You could be going out quickly. Yeah, and I think the Bruins, if you look at them on paper right now, they have a lot of potential to go far. And and we knew that going into the season. I think this was a team that there were a lot of question marks around. And I've said this before, too, that – there were question marks because you had a lot of young talent you were bringing in and you had the veterans and there was kind of that whole, there was no really middle ground and it was kind of like, okay, how are the young players going to mess with the veterans and what direction does this team plan on going from here going forward? And I think overall they surprised everybody, especially defensively because, you know, they made a couple off season moves on the defense. And I think the young players that they brought in to play defense have actually contributed very well overall. And when you mentioned the goaltending situation, I actually like what I've seen from Swayman in the games he's played this year. I think that he has been very good considering the circumstances. However, it's such a different environment in the playoffs and at least with Tupa Rask, he has that experience, so he knows what to expect in a playoff environment. Whereas you can't be it's it's hard to really feel confident in throwing somebody in like that that just doesn't have the same type of experience as Tuka. And I think if we do see him, then even if we do manage to get by the Islanders with him, which I really don't know that we even would. I realistically do not think they'd be able to get past Carolina or Tampa with him playing goal. I mean, I mean, like that, that's a problem that the Bruins have to face. Whereas for the Islanders, I'm confident in either goalie, whether it's Varlamov, who's a vest, who's going to, probably going to be a vest in the finalist or Sorokin, who's, who has, who has a bright future, one of the young goaltenders in the NHL. I feel confident. However, I mean, listen, game one, um, you know, it was two, two. And then, you know, Pasenak decided to take the game over. And then when, when you're a stud, you can do that. Um, with game two, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Islanders, like, they needed that. Because I'm going to be honest, like, I've seen in postseasons, when you blow a th- when you blow leads on the road, usually the home team capitalizes. So I was like, oh, man. And, and, and as an Islander fan, if they would go down 0-2, I would feel extremely nervous because you're old too. I mean, yeah, we're at road. That means we have to beat the Bruins four out of five times. And that's difficult. That's yeah. difficult. You know, I was just, thank God we got the split because as an Islander friend, I was like, listen, win one, the two games on the road, you try to take care of business at home. And then, you know, you know, Boston's going to probably take care of business on there. And what benefits what Boston is, there is a seventh game at the Garden. There is. But exactly. in order to get to the seventh game, your defense has to tighten up and your offense has to be more well-balanced. Because in the post, it's like, it's like I'll trip it in the NBA. Like, I'm a Knicks fan. Julius Randle was the number one option for the Knicks. What the Hawks did was basically just shut him down and say, make someone else beat They shut him down completely. They were ready for then, him every single game. And then that was that. Yeah. For, the, for, for, for the Bruins, it's like you have your, your top line. Fantastic. You shut them down. Okay. Krejci, Tom Telehall. All right. Let's see what you guys can do. 
and and so far, aside from that one goal that Taylor Hall scored in game one, which, you know, the game was pr- – to me, the game pretty was, much pretty much decided. was It was yeah. decided. So, yeah, there was I mean, it was there wasn't that wasn't even like a game changing goal or anything. It yeah, was just like, like an excess, like extra piece type thing. Exactly. So the game wasn't wasn't really like, oh my god, he scored that goal. It completely changed the game. No, the game was decided already after Pasnock did his thing. The game was already decided. So you need your other guys to step up, especially when you can't just rely on every you know how much shift you have to double strip and triple ship to put one of those two guys on one of your lines. So that means you got to put on, like, pass knock on your third line with Taylor Hall because you need offense. You know how it's going to take away from your first line? You can't be double shifting guys, especially in hockey. You're going to be tired a lot. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, you need to have more battles going. For the Islanders, they, they just need to continue playing defense, you know. But Barzell needs to step the hell up and stop playing like Randall. And, you know, yes, I'm still bitter about that loss last night. I don't yeah. want to talk about it. But, yes, but, like, you know, but they need to, but they need to, you know, the Islanders need to, you know, continue playing well. And, you know, again, this is going to go six or seven games. I don't see the Islanders winning, you know, three in a row against Boston. But I, I have respect for Boston because the Bruins are – they're a good team. Like they're the games have been really close throughout the regular season. And you know, like I and and now you're gonna be coming into the Coliseum where again it's rocking. And another thing you need to keep an eye on if you're the Bruins is the fact that, you know, you have a lot yet your defensive guys have played well, but now at home, because I always feel like guys who are like not as big but role players, they play better at home. How they're going to be playing on the road, especially when the environment's going to be against them. So, how are your other guys on the road going to play when it's people just screaming at them? So, how is Boston as a fan? How are you going to silence the Coliseum? What do you think Boston will have to do to silence the Islander faithful in the Coliseum tonight? Yeah, I mean. You bring up really good points with that, and we even saw it with the Garden, how rocking that stadium was because it was full capacity, so there were so many people there. And I think what the Islanders did in game one, it almost seemed like it did throw them off of it because, uh, you know, the Bruins kept scoring, and it seemed like they didn't really have a lot of answers and they weren't prepared for that type of environment, but then they came back in game two and they bounced back and they were ready for TD garden. They were ready for those fans and they were able to just block that out and keep pace with the Bruins the entire game. And, you know, something I will say when I mentioned this point about game three is I wonder how many people are going to look to that unfortunate turnover in game two as a reason why the Bruins lose the series if they do end up losing the series. I think a lot of people are going to look to that exact play and be like, things could have been so much different if that didn't happen. And the fact that that happened at home, it makes it even more concerning. So I think going into game three, they need to just really understand that the pressure is all on them now and they need to just play the way that they know how to play. Cause we know they can win on the road because they went and they won four straight games against Washington. Who's not an easy team to beat either. No, and not. so, you know, so, so we know that they can win on the road and when they played on the road in DC, they were playing their game the way that they know how to play it. And it, it seemed like, the people there just did not have any effect on them whatsoever. And and the crowd, it didn't matter whether they were playing at home or playing on the road. And they need to have that kind of mindset when they go into this game too, or else they might just make stupid mistakes like we've seen them do. And 
back to your point, I really do feel like that one play in overtime of game two, if Ooh, the Bruins lose this series, are what people are going to look back to, the fans, and say that's the exact moment that changed the series. It could completely flip that series in the Islanders' favor because you're talking yep. about the Islanders. They gave up two goals in the third period. They were up 3-1 going into the third. They, you, know, you guys scored two goals, especially the third goal and a power play goal with five minutes left in the third period. You had all the momentum on your side. I mean, the overtime, the Islanders played really well in the overtime, but then you had a chance to get out that, to complete the comeback, go up 2-0, even with the goaltending situation, feel better about yourself knowing that you still had a couple of games to play with. But now you don't have that luxury. The Islanders took that. And if, if, if you lose this series, you're going to look at that every Bruin fan Oh, yeah. I was going to look at, including you, Gabby, you're going to look at what happened with Lazard on game two, on that crucial turnover. You're going to look at that cost you the series because that was the inexcusable turnover. You had the ball, you had the puck in the offensive zone with a chance to win the game, go up to nothing, take, you know, take a, a hold on the series, have the Islanders put all the pressure on them. Now the pressure's all on the Bruins. And the Islanders are basically at home. They're pumped. They're, they believe that they can beat you guys. So if you lose this series, you're going to – that play that is will be it. the reason why you lost this series. And then it goes into a lot of doubt because, again, you guys are getting older. Marshawn's getting older. Bergeron's getting older. Your oh. core – the core of the Bruins, Tukaras is getting older. At some point, the core of your team is getting older. And just like Pittsburgh is going to have to figure out, Boston's going to have to figure out, are we in or are we out? Because what you don't want to be is a treadmill team. Like a team that's, well, we're good enough to make the playoffs, but we're not good enough to do anything. Like, Pittsburgh's like a treadmill. Look at Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh's a treadmill team. Like Pittsburgh, yeah. and that was a bad matchup for the Islanders. And a fun fact, did you know the Islanders are 5-1? and one? Against Pittsburgh in the postseason, the only loss they had to pit, they lost to Pittsburgh was 2013, a lockout shortened season, and that was a terrible Islander team, and that even went six games against like, a terrible yeah. Islander team. That's so, that's such a great comparison though that you say because Pittsburgh is like that because they're a really talented team, and I mean we saw them play well this year. I mean they played well against the rest of the division this year, and they looked pretty good going into the playoffs. And I think a lot of people. We're like, yeah, like I would bet on them because they look pretty good. But at the same time, we know their history and they're always a team that has enough talent to get to the postseason, but they can never go all the way. I mean, the Celtics are another team that are like that. Like I could Dang talk up. all day about them, but um, but yeah, you're you're exactly right. And I think when I was watching game two of this series. And the Bruins went down 3-1. I was like, okay, you know, th this is okay because they, they are known to come back in games. That is what they do a lot of times. And in the third period of games, they do like to come back. So I wasn't totally freaking out. And then the third period started, you know, they tie the game. And I'm like, yeah, this is what the Bruins do. But can they finish it? And that finishing part, particularly against the Islanders this year, was always something that they had trouble with. Because this is not the first time this year that they went into OT against the Islanders and lost. And so 
that was the thing. It was the finishing. And it's not like they weren't in the games. It's not like these games were blowouts. No. They had pretty close games against the Islanders all year. It was just the finishing part of it that they couldn't do. And that's what was extremely frustrating to me. And when people ask me if I would rather face Pittsburgh or the Islanders in the next yeah. round. I remember and- you saying Pittsburgh. I, I think originally I said Pittsburgh because I said the Islanders have just given us much more trouble this year than Pittsburgh. And I think the minute that the Islanders get the momentum, if we play them and the minute that things switch and, you know, cause the, the Bruins came into the series as favorites playing at home and everything. But I was like the minute that this gets reversed and the Islanders get momentum, they could really, really ride with that. And I think that that's something that's really scary. And they've proven that they know how to beat this Bruins team. So that's why I would have think I would have rather actually seen Pittsburgh, even though we wouldn't have gotten home ice in that series. Um, I still think that I would have rather seen them. I mean, you're talking about Pittsburgh and their goaltending situation and your goaltending situation, you're going to probably see a lot of like five, four games because, you know, yeah. Tristan Jarry's. I, and, and, and with Pittsburgh, I mean, DeSmith was injured, just like Halak was injured. Yeah. And they had, and they had a rookie and, and, and I think it's, I forgot his name was Legacy or something like that. And then he, and he liked, like Swayze as a young goaltender. So you're going to throw a young goaltender in the fire and in, in playoff and in, in playoff throws. I mean, I, I get in regular season fine, you know, like 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 your young young goaltender played very well in the regular season, but the postseason is such a different animal. It's a different it beast. Like you know, like in the NBA, like how you had teams like you know, like like the Knicks, they played so hard in the regular season, they commended, but then the postseason comes like Mm-mm. that's the same thing with with the Bruins and their goaltending situation. You you know like. You, you take out two garage, you put a young goaltender in. I mean, that's a lot of pressure as a kid to, to play in high stakes where your season could end on you. So, I mean, I, I'm sure Bruins fans would have loved to play Pittsburgh because it's a much more easier matchup, even though that, you know, you don't have home ice advantage, but, you know, you're still, you know, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh is talented, but they're not as good as they are. I mean, I mean, Malkin is older, Crosby is older, you know, like Latang is older. Like a lot of their key players, I mean, they get Jeff Carter, and Jeff Carter was basically a, was a non-factor except for Game Six, and even then, that didn't really matter because you know, you 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 would think a team like Pittsburgh, you score three goals, the game is over. Well, when your goaltender gives up five goals, <laughs> that's that's a problem. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, like like again, like this, like to me, I don't, I still think Boston is going, it, it's going to win one of those two games. I don't know if it's Game Three. I don't know if it's Game Four. Because I, I have too much respect for Boston to think that the Islanders are going to just going to you know come in there and just just handle Boston. Even the and I'm a very optimistic Islander fan, but I'm also very realistic because I respect the Bruins. Like I don't have hate for them, and my fan base doesn't have hate for them. It's more of a mutual like rivalry that can be growing because you have two evenly matched teams. And in fun fact. The last time the Bruins and Islanders faced each other was 1983. The Islanders won that series five and four to one, and en route to their fourth Stanley Cup. So, very, just just dropping very um history nuggets here. And um, now there are a lot of key factors in this in this game. And I don't, obviously for the Islanders, for me it's Barzell. So, for you guys to steal the game, who's going to be the hero for the for the Bruins to steal to steal a game at the Island? I mean, I'd like to say that it's going to be Pasternak or Taylor Hall. Those are the top two names that are coming to mind for me of players that I think 
would be able to really step it up from what we've seen from pasta already in this series. And just with Taylor Hall, I mean, he's here for a reason, you know what I mean? And he's already contributed a lot. And I think as quiet as he's been, even though he scored in the first game, and, and like we already said, not that it really mattered because the game was already kind of over at that point, but he still is able to contribute. And I do, I don't see him playing like this, to continue going forward. I do think he's going to start making some more noise. And if he can do that, then, then this Bruins team is hard to beat. If you have somebody like him, who I always describe him as a difference maker, because he really is, because he's been that main support outside of that front line. And that is the addition that they needed. That, that was the addition where I was like, okay, because before he got here, I was like, I mean, this team, I mean, they might miss the playoffs because the Rangers were oh. right on our heels too. And I was like, okay, well, I was like, okay, well, like we, I, I don't know how confident I feel in the playoffs, but acquiring Taylor Hall is what made me really feel confident in going to the playoffs. Now I say that kind of with a grain of salt. Cause I'm like, well, now they need to show that they deserve to be there and they, that they, they acquired Taylor Hall for a reason. And I do think that his breakout playoff moment is coming. I am just waiting for that to happen, whether it's here in the next game or whenever, I do think we're going to see at some point in this series a Taylor Hall like game ceiling moment for the Bruins, and I'm ready for it. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but I just have a feeling that at some point he's going to do something big that's going to remind people of why he's even here in the first place. And I hope that that happens because there's a lot of question marks for the Bruins going into this offseason, like you said, with the veteran players and not knowing if they're going to re-sign Tuka Rask or what's going to happen with a lot of these players. And if that's the case, once you lose these veteran players, you're in rebuild mode. So then you are going to have a couple of years of frustration among fans where you're probably not going to go to the playoffs because you're you're focusing on a rebuild. And you're going to be in the lottery. Realize that. So then you're kind of, just back at square one. So if you want to win that championship, now is the time to do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I guess also just, I know, like you said, there's a lot of respect among these two fan bases. And I think we have mutual understanding that these are two very good teams. And I don't think anybody would be surprised at the turnout. No, no matter what, whatever team comes out of this series, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised at how it went. And who and who came out of it? Because I think that either team is is capable of coming out and winning this series. Exactly, and you, you, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston won won this series. I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders won this series. Like, I wouldn't like. I'm gonna talk. Remember, the Islanders was a team that won that were just in in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. And so you talk about a team that has playoff experience, like the Bruins. They have playoff experience as well. I mean, the Islanders yeah. for their off season. I mean. They got to resign Sorokin. They got to fa- they got they got to resign um Pellick and you know, those got to be priorities. Well, those, those are like the two Pellick um Pellick and Sorokin are the two main priorities. And then go to, and yeah. then you know then they got to figure out if they really want to keep um Paul Mary or not. They also need to add another score another legit goal scoring threat on that team because as much as their defense is is going to carry them as far as they can. In the postseason, you kind of need to score goals. And the yeah. Islanders, like watching the Islanders score goals, even in wins, 
is a chore. Watching when, when Casey Zekas had that breakaway, I was just thinking, man, Tugarass is probably going to make a save or two because, you know, that's just the Islanders' luck. And then he may score. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, he actually scored a goal. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm happily shocked. And, 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 and again, I mean, if Taylor Hall probably, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Hall had a breakout game. I mean, we don't know when, but it, it's coming. It's funny. You, you, you leave. Buffalo, which is which is known to destroy careers. I mean, they got the first overall pick. God bless whoever goes up to Buffalo. I mean, yes, it's going to be yikes. Because you're going to get a really talented player, and then yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look, 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 Taylor Hall, Kyle Primary, Devils, Buffalo, two teams that are going in the abyss of nowhere. They yeah. lead to go to a team that have a chance to compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Palmieri and Taylor Hall, you know, you know, they they played well. I mean, Palmieri got the goal in overtime against Pittsburgh. I mean, it's it's and in, and for me, it's that those are the two priorities for the Islanders for resigning because because Sorokin is going to be restricted free agent. I'm keeping him, and also don't forget you have the expansion draft too because that's another thing you have to keep an eye on because the Kraken. They have the second overall pick, and they're going to have the expansion draft before the actual draft. So there's going to be some players you have to you keep in mind that they could lose. So you have to make some roster manipulation so that this way that you don't you lose a key player because you know they can protect up to a certain amount of players. So that's another thing. If I'm Boston and the Islanders, you have to keep in mind because you could lose a potentially valuable piece to your team that can go via the expansion draft. So that's another thing you have to keep an eye on. So you have the expansion draft, the offseason. And either way, whoever wins the series is going to earn it. Because, again, you're talking about teams, and I repaid this throughout this entire show, that are very even. And I do think that I enjoy this matchup. It has been a little bit nerve-wracking. Game two was a little bit more nerve-wracking for me because that's now their favorite. Because it was closer. It was Like, see, game one – I, I knew when Pasternak got that hat trick, I was like, ah, you know what? The game, you know, tip off through Bruins. They won game one. You know, it, it's fine. Game two was more, yeah, the 3-1 lead. I'm like, I'm expecting the Bruins come back. Don't let it happen. And it happened. And then just please to God, find a way to win this game in overtime. For the love of God, do it. And then they did. And then you're talking about game three. You're talking about the Coliseum. You know, this is this is the and this is the last year of the Coliseum because then we're going to move into our new arena next year, UBS Arena. It's, it's it's looking fantastic. You have owners that actually care about the team. You have a new. You have Lou Malmerner, who's a Hall of Fame executive. Barry Trotz, the one of the best coaches in the NHL. You have a team that love that plays together. The Islanders do not have their captain in. Anders Lee, I believe you guys get another player back. Smith, I believe, is coming back yeah. for the Bruins. So that should yeah, help you guys. That. that should help you guys. So again, so this is good. This game three is going to be very interesting because you're getting some healthy players back, but you also got the goaltending situation you got to keep an eye on. And one thing I noticed after game after game two is like, uh, like I noticed that because when I when I because I do know a couple of Bruins fans. And from what I got, maybe you can answer this better because you're up in Boston. How the Bruins fan felt a little bit dejected after game two. They, they felt like they had it. The, 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 the series was, was in their hands. And they, they're, more, they're, they're still optimistic that they can win this series. But game two, it felt like the fan base just felt a sigh of like, damn, we had it. We had this team right where we want them. We come back. And like you said, the whole... You can come back, but you can't finish 
and you guys missed golden opportunities. And especially before that breakaway, you had a wide open net. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and, and so how is the fan base feeling? Are you guys still optimistic or are you pessimists? Because the honest fan base, we're, we're hype. I mean, Burrell is just <laughs> right now. I got so that from Twitter. So how's the Bruins fan base doing? Yeah, you know, um, I think for a lot of game two, a lot of people felt the same way I did where they were like, okay, we can come back in this game because we've seen this team come back before. So nobody was really freaking out going into the third period. I mean, at least other Bruins fans that I know that, I'm, that I've talked to and just what I've seen, what I saw from Twitter, I think going into the third period, people were still a little like, okay, I mean, we're only down two goals. This isn't out of reach because we've seen them come back from this before. So this is okay. Um, and then after they lost, I will say that the feelings you're describing are true, but it's more because it was that immediate realization that we have to win on the road now and that, that there's a lot more pressure on us to be a good Islanders team on the road, whereas if we had won that game and had been in a better situation, we were up 2-0. So say we went up 2-0 and then lost tonight on the road, at least we would still be up 2-1, and I don't think people would feel as dejected as they do. And obviously everybody wants their team to win every game. That's, you know, you're a fan. It's normal. But I yeah. think that game two was more frustrating for Bruins fans, first of all, because of the way it ended and how it was well within reach for us to win that game in overtime. And second of all, realizing the situation, like, well, okay, now we have to win on the road. But we also know how that feels because, you know, they lost game one on the road against the Capitals and they knew that they were, didn't have home ice in that series and they were able to, to they were able to overcome that and win that series still. And I think a lot of the dejection that you're describing was about just that realization of, Oh wow. Now there's so much more pressure on us than there was going into this series. And all of a sudden the momentum is flipped. The Islanders are coming off of that game, good overtime win. And now they get to play at home with their fans. So I think that that's just making everybody, the whole fan base a little nervous. I mean, I will say I did call the pasta hat trick in game one after he you scored did. his first you goal. Did. I tweeted and I said, um, pasta hat trick incoming. And so I think maybe I should do that again because then God, maybe no. no. then maybe I'll not, give my right team the luck by do by doing that. But yeah, this is gonna be a challenge because you're not at the garden with your fans anymore. And you need to realize that there's a lot more pressure going into this game than there will would have been if you had won game two in OT. I wanna make a quick shout out to you for this reason. Before <laughs> earlier, we were talking about the Boston Red Sox and you were saying how the Red Sox we're going to be a surprise team. I want to give you a shout out because you are absolutely right. Because I want to, I want to, I admit when I'm wrong, I do tip my hat to you. You are right about the Red Sox. It is June and I admit it. The Red Sox are better than people think. So even though you guys did lose the series to Houston, you guys are better than most people think. I will be at the stadium this weekend for Red Sox Yankees. And I just want to say Lucky. that you were absolutely, you were absolutely right. I was I was wrong. I will admit when I'm wrong. I did not think Boston was going to be that good, but Alex Core just completely changed how this team is. 
They are a fun team to watch. I mean, Xander Bogarts is playing well. J.D. Martinez is having a career resurgence. Um, you're talking yeah. about, like, Vasquez playing well. And then you have, you know, you guys have been playing. Rafael Devers. Rafael Devers is playing fantastic. The only thing that will prevent you guys from seriously making a run is that pitching rotation. Pitching. I'm still not yep. sold yeah. on your pitching rotation. But I am sold on your offense. Your offense is fantastic. So big shout out to the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are better than what people think. And that's a team in the second half that could surprise team. They can they they maybe they may or may not win the division, but I can definitely see them getting one of those two wild card spots. So I gotta give you a shout out to that. That's number one. So I will well, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Uh, I know a lot of people on Twitter were giving me a hard time for that take, too. Um, and I said, no, I mean, because even last year, they had the offense. The offense was never an issue. They just had horrendous pitching, which we all knew. Um, but I agree with you. I'm still not fully sold on the pitching rotation either. I think once Chris Sale comes back, it's going to be fun to see what he has and what he can bring to that rotation. I think Nick Pavetta has been very good too, though. Um, so he would probably, I'd like to see him as the number two guy once Sale comes back. But again, I think, you know, overall, the offense has just been very, very good. And they've just stumped a lot of pitchers and I think ironically with this Astro series the pitching overall besides game one game one was just horrendous and I mean yeah. I, if I, I I try not to swear on this show so I could call it something else but I'm just not going to yeah but I um, think it was bad it was, it was bad. bad um but, but the you know the I think Outside of that, though, it's not like the games were blowouts. They had close games, and the it was it wasn't the pitching that was an issue either. It was the offense that wasn't clicking. Well, and Houston then has good pitching too, you know. <laughs> yeah, Houston. Well, not their bullpen though. Their no, bullpen no, the really bad. They're so there's no reason the for them to not have been able to score runs against that bullpen, and that was the frustrating thing to me was just not being able to take advantage of the bullpen that they have. And I mean, they, they just couldn't get a hand. They just couldn't get a, a hang of uh, those starters either because the starters went deep into the games, which was an issue. Um, but I think, I mean, I'm happy they didn't get swept, um, but we do play the Astros again next week at home. So we have a chance to kind of get a, get vengeance for this series when we play them at home. So we'll see what happens there. But first, first test is the Yankees this weekend before that. So that I mean, should be a series. Yeah, especially I mean, you miss you're missing Garrett Cole this series. I mean he pitched he pitched yeah. he didn't pitch well this this game. Yan Yankees did split with Tampa, so there's still a flow in the AL East. Um we're going with the opener, we're going with Michael King going tomorrow because the injury to Kluber, now we're gonna have to yeah. go mix and match. So that's, until that's, Severino comes back, there's gonna Severino probably be that, that question mark position at pitching. Yeah, I mean, so far the Yankees, like the Yankees pitching hasn't really been an issue. I mean, they, I mean, aside from a yeah. couple of bad starts from cold, but I mean, the pitching has, has been decent. The bullpen, as, as, as I knew, has been electric for the Yankees, which I'm not surprised. Their pitching has been good. The Yankees' offense surprisingly has been dreadful. I mean, yeah, they and that's not something anybody would ever think was going to be an issue for them. The, uh, the, the offense to me has been surprisingly not good for the lineup they have. It's 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 insane. Like Aaron Judge is having a career year because because he's actually yeah. staying healthy. Which I've said, if this yeah. man stays healthy, he's going to hit over four over thirty plus home runs. Like yeah. anyone else, DJ's having a terrible year. Glaber's having a bad year. 
I mean, you Arshella been having a nosedive as of late. I mean, no door they acquired and he's hitting, he's barely hitting at two. A lot of the Yankee guys are barely hitting two hundred. Sanchez has been dreadful. I mean, the, like the the Yankees lineup is just so bad. And the problem with the Yankees lineup, they're not balanced. They don't have a they don't have guys that can produce runs because you're seeing like baseball, they kind of dead the balls. They're out because that they dead the balls. So now instead of like less home runs, now it's going to be more like manufacturing runs. Then Yankees have not been able to manufacture runs because they're they're home run dependent. And if you're a good pitcher, you know how to pitch against guys who just hit home runs. So the Yankees used to just take advantage of bad mistakes and then boom. And then now the Yankees are offensively, they're struggling. The reason why they're still, alive because their pitching has been really, really good. Their bullpen is one of the best in the American League. Their starting pitching is one of the best in the American League. I mean, Tyon has been okay. Kluber has has been a surprise coming off the injury. Monty has been okay. And Tyon has been okay. Like The starting pitching is fine, and Severino is going to come back, which is only going to help the starting rotation. Herman has has pitched decently. So the pitching, I'm not – I feel like with the pitching is going to be – Fine and hopefully, and, and it's the hitting that's a problem. When the Yankees, the last three times, and I've never questioned their pitching because the pitching has been pitched in, in games. The it's hitting been is just, the, the hitting has just disappeared. So and and you know yeah. I, I feel like if Boston had the Yankees rotation, they they'd run away with the American League. Oh, I agree with yeah, I agree with you because I mean Tampa Bay is good. But if, if you took the Red Sox lineup and the Yankees pitching staff, I think that the Red Sox would, would easily be the best team in that division because the Red Sox have a better offense than the Yankees have right now. I think they really do. I mean, like they, they're, they're more versatile and they can do more on offense and they have the capability to go out on any given night and just put up a bunch of runs. That is something that the Red Sox do have. However, the Yankees have that pitching advantage. So if you took – Put the Yankees pitching staff and put it on the Red Sox. Imagine how good that team would be. The, the, the Red Sox would be the best team in the American League, and they'd be the favorites to get to the World Series. That's yeah. that's how good. Like the Red Sox offense is good enough that they they'll, they'll win games because they're they're very well, good. They're diverse. They're dynamic. They're, they're they're fun to watch offensively. But your yeah. pitching, well, your pitching, your starting pitching is just, just so brutal. I mean, you're just very fortunate that you know Barnes is a very good closer that you guys have. That's true. that's been a surprise too, though. I mean, I didn't like the idea of him closing games before the season started, but he's been so much better in the closing spot than I ever thought that I would see him. And now I see him come into games, and I'm more confident. And then you have players like Adavino. Who I mean I, I'm not I don't hate Adavino I'm not like on that train he's, he's on point he's very very good like we've seen very very good stuff from him and he has the capability to be lights out when he's on point he just walks so many people and the walks always come back to haunt him and that's my main issue with him is if he didn't walk so many people he'd be so reliable I think now let me ask you this as a since you're a Red Sox fan um. You obviously are in the in the American League East race among with we have the best division. The, we have the oh, yeah. best oh, yeah. division between the Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and now Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are coming. Um, yeah, don't got, sleep on them for sure. Like you know, they're they're coming. So in July, when the trade deadline comes, you high you have Hein Bloom, who's very analytical. He comes from the Rays. Do you think that he would trade guys like a JD 
or a veteran who's doing good and restock your farm system? Or will he be aggressive and trade for a starting pitching, stabilize your rotation, and just go for it? What do you think the Red Sox will do come 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 the trade deadline? See, that's a really good question, and I think a lot of that has to do with what they're what they're doing this season because I think going into the season, Heim Bloom thought that he might have put together a team that could contend, but his goal wasn't to contend in 2021. His goal was to start rebuilding so they can be contenders in 2022 and beyond, which they do have some very, very young prospects in their farm system now that are going to come up and hopefully be really good. But I think that because the Red Sox now are playing a lot better than everybody thought and are exceeding expectations I do actually see them maybe adding a piece or two that could be a serious addition to really help them stay in contention with the rest of the division. Because the fact that they're in as hard of a division as they're in right now, and they're still in second place in that division, and and they're like right up there, you know, with the um, Rays and the Yankees, I don't think people expected that, like you said, but I do think and I do trust him to, I think, make a decision for this season going forward at the trade deadline that would help them be in contention more than not now that he's seeing where they're at and because he's already started to rebuild the farm system so I do think that he would try to make a move for another pitching piece or two by the trade deadline and maybe help them go you know help them really get into serious contention because I think that when they when they got Adam Adovino First of all, I, I was super surprised by that, that the Yankees traded him I within was, the season. I was shocked. Uh, but I think that that was, was to be more of like a pitcher that they could use. And then if they weren't anywhere close to being in contention at the trade they deadline, they flip him for prospects. But now that they actually are competing with everybody else, they might not do that. And they might just go for a pitcher or two at the trade deadline to help them contend because they're not supposed to be this good, but now they are. So now I think that he has more room to work with because now he has some solid prospects in the farm system because of some of the trades that he made that are going to come up next year or the year after and be really good. I've said this to a lot of Yankee fans. They're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say this anyway. The Yankees in 2017, they brought up Judge. They brought up all these young players and, you know, they went to the postseason Every single year they went, they've been to the ALCS twice. Um, I'm going to say this. If the Yankees do not get the World Series or win the World Series in the next couple of years, I'm blowing everything up. I'm blowing everything up. I'm, yeah, and just starting I'm, from scratch. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I did back in 2016 because at some point you're, you're stuck with Stan. You're stuck yeah. with Cole. I mean, Judge is going to want an extension. I mean, Torres is going to want to like, and you're stuck with DJ who, who, listen, I love DJ LeMayu. I wish Yankees had a lot of DJ LeMayu, but DJ LeMayu yeah. is like 32, 33 years old. And they yeah, gave him a six year contract. They yeah. Gave him a six year contract. And, he's, and he's, and he's, and he's out, he's performing worse. He's a hundred points worse. I so worried I, about that for them. I was not sold on them doing that and, and making that commitment to him with his age. I I would blow everything up. I I would blow everything up. I probably if I could trade Aaron Judge and he's continued being healthy. I listen. Yankee fans are not going to like this, but yes. I would trade Aaron Judge and I would trade Glaber to us. I would trade 
pitchers, players on your team that you can get some value for, restock the farm system, and then just start all over. Because yeah. you're, you haven't proven that you can win with this core. You have not been to the World Series since 2009. Since the turn of the century, you've only won two championships. Boston has won four. You have not yeah. competed with everyone else. In a weak American league, you're not even the best team in your own division. In a weak American yeah. league, the White Sox not. I don't think the White Sox are as good as people think. The no, they're not as good as people think they are. The, yeah. the, the Astros are not as good as people think they are. In a weak American league, and you're not even the second best team in your own division. The Red Sox, yeah. who do people were sleeping on, are now better than you. The Rays, with half the payroll, beat you in the ALDS on their way to the World Series. At yeah. some point, I'm not saying fire Cashman. I'm not being irrational. But at some point, if you're a Yankee fan, you're going to have to realize, yo, what are we doing? Like we're we're yeah. we're supposed to be the Yankees and we're not competing. How is a team that has a sixty million dollar payroll better than you? You have a two hundred and five million dollar payroll. You lost to a team that's basically making Garrett Cole's salary, and you can't even beat them. So the Yankees are going to have to rebuild, and they're going to have to figure it out sooner because you're you're not you're not winning. The the, the Yankee team on paper is not winning a championship. I'm sorry. They're not winning a championship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think that that window is closing like, like you indicated before. And I think that if they don't, if they don't reach the world series this year, then it will be seen as actually a disappointment, what this team has put together. And I think that some serious changes need to be made if that's the case. And eventually, I mean, all teams go through this. You eventually do have to make those types of changes if you want to contend and they, Yankees fans are going to be disappointed, but are going to have to realize that they're going to part ways with some of these players that they might have wanted to keep. But in order for them to actually be a team that can contend in the future, longer term down the road, you might have to start over. And and I I don't disagree with you. And I think that they're in the place now where it's either you win now or you just don't. And then you seriously reevaluate what you're going to do with the future. It's kind of like like the Bruins, like the Yankees, even like the Celtics don't have that problem yet. The Celtics just yeah. have a the Celtics are just so a weird because you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you got and you have two good players, but there's something about that team is just ah, I don't know what. I mean, for my team, I mean the Knicks are are, are on the process of rebuilding. Yeah, the Giants look like. Good. The, and the Giants look like they're going to compete for a division. The Patriots are going to be better than what people think because now Bill Belichick decided we're just going to reload and just yep. say we're going to go Death Star and say we're not settling for mediocrity. We're going for it. So, Which is good. You know, like, when, when you have teams that are like on the verge of doing good and on the verge of rebuilding, the Yankees and Bruins, I, they're kind of similar. They have key players, and they're, they're good enough to make the playoffs but I don't know if they're good enough to win championships. So just like yeah. your Bruins and my Yankees, which is a perfect parallel, you're going to have yes. to realize, all right, what are we going to do? Are we, are we winning a championship or are we rebuilding? Like, cause the Yankees are going to be that treadmill team. Well, all right, well, they'll make the playoffs. They'll maybe we'll go to a, a but they'll just never go. They'll just never go all the way. Like they will be that team that constantly 
is good enough in the regular season and gets to the playoffs and then just falls short because they face other teams that are just better. Look at the Bruins last year. You 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 guys made the postseason yeah, bubble, and then Tampa Bay just just said take you out of your misery. The Yankees yeah. made the postseason, and Tampa took them out of their misery. So it's like you know both of our teams, respective teams, are going to have to figure out either you can't. I call it half pregnant. You can't be half pregnant. You can't be good enough <laughs> where you're going to make the playoffs. But then, then what? Oh, we're gonna make a trade here, a trade there. That's the missing piece. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna sign this player, and 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 he may not be a great player, but he's he's that last piece we miss. And so what? Just just to lose in the first or a second round? Yeah, and really. Then, and then and then what? That's why again, like the Bruins are gonna make tough decisions. The Yankees are gonna have to make tough decisions. You're talking about. Two team proud franchises, the Bruins are original six team, the Yankees won the staples of Major League Baseball franchise. Talk about two teams, two very loyal fan bases are gonna have to make tough decisions. And as a fan, since you're a Bruins fan, you can relate this because I'm a Yankee fan. Yep. Are we really gonna play ourselves to thinking that hey man, you know, we're we're gonna win a championship? Or are we just gonna sit back and think? You know, we can make the playoffs, but then, but then, you know, isn't the goal to win a championship? Yeah, it is. I mean, it should be. And if you're not going to do that, then what are you really doing? You know what I mean? Then, like, what's, what direction are you going to go in? And I think that I can absolutely relate to that. And I think it's frustrating, but I think the Bruins just need to pick a direction this offseason, whatever direction that may be. And then we'll see what happens from there. But I'm still, just looking forward to the rest of this series and to just see how that goes. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it's, it's a good rest of the series, which I think it will be. And I think it's going to be nerve wracking for everybody and it's going to cause frustration for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it's going to be fun. And I really, really appreciate you coming on the show to talk to me about all of this. I mean, you are a great guest and everybody please check out his show. Um, it's called the sports dudes podcast. Sports, yes. Great show. And, and his co-host is really good as well. I've, I've had some good interactions with both of them and they do a, do a, a lot of really good sports coverage. So please check that out on any podcast streaming platform and, you know, follow him on social media because he's, he's really talented and, I've had some great conversations with him. And as always, I appreciate everybody checking out Boston Balling. And thanks for the constant support of the show. I really appreciate it. So I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. And James won't like this statement, but go Bruins. Go Islanders. And thank you again so much. Check out the Sports Dudes on, on Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. And find me all over social media, James Celestin, Facebook, Instagram, you know. And thank you, Gabby, so much. And uh, let's go Islanders. And we'll, and we'll have you on real soon. You have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>